And also, uh, one of the things, and, and here at our church, we have four areas of ministry. There's really four things we focus on. And one of those areas is missions and outreach. And a lot of times, we don't take the time to, to really let you know what's going on. Um, right now, we've got uh, three folks getting ready to go on a mission trip in Peru. And so I just think it's so exciting when we have people raising up in our church that, that, that just feel the urge to go share the gospel abroad. And that's happening right here with people in our church. And, and uh, you know, it's just cool. My son right now is in Minneapolis at Discipleship School. And uh, he's getting ready to go to Honduras for a couple weeks to share the gospel. And uh, I just think that's absolutely awesome that God is carrying out his great commission through us. This church that's, we're really about eight, nine months old. And so that's just really awesome. So I wanted to share that. Yeah, that's just cool. We can celebrate that. And I want to encourage you and tell you something that, you know, I believe it. And if you'll look around and, and just see what all God's doing and the people that are here, I don't think we're waiting on a great move of God. I think we're in the middle of it. And I really do believe that. And um, I believe it with all my heart. And so I want to encourage you and just say, like, man, continue to pray, continue to come, and continue to just get on board with what God's doing here. And I believe we're on the, the really the front end of what we're going to see. And, man, I've been praying like crazy that more and more people come to know Jesus, and, and we just get good at sharing the gospel and making disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do. And, and so we're going to keep getting after it and, and, uh, and moving forward. And with that being said, I want to encourage everyone, if you've not been through Heart and Soul which serves kind of like our membership class here, except for it's much deeper and much more fun and not boring, all right? And I'm teaching it, so if it's boring, I promise you I'll take you out to eat, okay? I'm not a very boring dude. Uh, I don't want to ask you to anything that's not going to give you great value, okay? And so Heart and Soul is tonight at 5 o'clock over at our office space. It's about two blocks down, uh, or two spaces down from where our kids is at. Man, y'all come. We're going to have donuts, coffee, and um, it's really going to answer two questions. One is this. What is a growing relationship with Jesus? And also, what is, how do we do ministry at Connection Church? And we want to really show you kind of the why behind everything we do. And as we talk about all the time, the why is we want to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And we want to put that on wheels for you, all right? And show you how you can get on board with what God's doing here. Okay? Cool? All right, good deal. I'm excited for the day. Can y'all believe that? Do I say that every week? I do, don't I? Yeah, that's right. Can y'all believe it? I'm excited for today. We're in week five of a series we are calling A Better Story. And really what this series has been all about is really looking at the identity of who we are. Okay? And we believe this, and we know it because Scripture proves it to be true, is that once we understand who we are in Christ, that God can begin to write a better story for our lives than circumstances tell us are possible. And really what we've been doing is, is looking through... Um, these four truths, for week one we talked about uh, that we're all in identity crisis. That when sin came into the garden through Adam and Eve, we were separated from God, our image bearer. Okay? And that we're all looking to, to regain who we are. Like, what, what is really our identity? Right? And what does it look like to, to know who our Father is? And then the second week we talked about sore spots. And what sore spots are, are things that have happened to us that has really shaped who we are painful things that have really uh, given us a hard time to really believe that God is who he says he is and that we can be whole in Christ. And the third week we talked about being stuck, right? And that we all go through seasons where we feel like we're just stuck in the same place, that we can't get freedom to keep moving forward with our lives. And we talked about what God's word says about that. And then last week we talked about four truths from the boat. And this week, if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. We're going to be talking about living by the truth. Okay, living by the truth. And I believe this, and I, and, and I really do, is that uh, Christianity is awesome. 
I believe that following Christ is like, man, if I could just share my heart, like I want everyone to become a Christian because it is awesome. And I, I think about all the things Christ's given me and all the awesome stuff. Number one is purpose, right? That I know what I wake up for. I know when I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ, like that's the thing I think I was most thankful for is like, man, I have purpose now, okay? And, and, uh, and it just kills me, and I hope I communicate this way, is like, man, like I want other people to just fall in love with him because he's awesome. And he, he has good gifts for us. But I think a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on coming to know Jesus and this moment of coming to know him. But rather, we don't really talk about what does it look like to follow Christ day in and day out. How do we live by the truth of Jesus, right? How do we experience joy? You're like, Pastor, you're talking about this series called A Better Story. Well, that story is written every day. How do I enjoy a, a better story every day? And so that's what I'm going to be talking about today is what that looks like. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. We're going to be here for just a second. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right in. So John 8, 31 and 32, and this is what it reads. And Jesus is talking uh, to his people. He's talking to those that have come to know Christ. And, and it'll be on the screen if you're still flipping there. It says, it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, verse 32, you can highlight, star, underline, bury this in your head. It says, then you will know the truth. Okay, hear that again. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for this day. Uh, God, thank you for how good you are. Lord, thank you for everyone here. Um, Lord, I just pray right now that, that in this time and through this message, Lord, that you would just speak through me. God, I, I'm just excited about what you put on my heart to share. And uh, God, I just want to pray for every heart here. Is I, I know there's a lot of hurt and brokenness and a lot of stuff going on internally that probably not a lot of people know about. God, I want to speak into those situations and I want to pray that the truth of your word and the gospel would just ring true. And God, it would bring just healing power. And Lord, it would just fall with power today. And God, I know I'm so ill-equipped to do this. God, I'm just a sinful man. And Lord, uh, but I know the Holy Spirit in me is ready to go. So Lord, I pray right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you. God, I pray for that in faith. And uh, God, I trust you with this time. In thy name, amen. Amen. All right, cool. So we live in the Bible Belt, okay? Y'all figure that out? Like fried chicken, Bible, church, wash your truck on Saturday, and then repeat the process, right? You know, am I speaking truth to anyone? This is, this is the hand we've been dealt, like it or not, okay? We don't live in Chicago. We don't live anywhere like a big city. Like we live in Dublin, Georgia. Most of us, if you're from out of town, welcome to the best little city on the planet, okay? It's super fast-paced. I'm lying. I can't lie at church. Um, but we live in this context of, of this good southern living, right? And everybody on the planet's a Christian, man. <laughs> like, you ask everybody, it's like, hey, you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church at, you know? Or, yeah, I remember vacation Bible school at four. Yeah, okay. Everyone's a Christian, you know? And so we live in this context where there's this, this cultural acceptance of Christianity. And what I believe it's created is this, and I was thinking about this thought, and I really want to build it out, and this is what I believe. What I found is that many people in our context know enough about Christianity to participate. What that means is this, is we know enough to show up at church, we know enough to kind of do the Christian thing, right? Or we know enough to, to do the thing outside. But what I have found is this, and this is the part that scares me, I really want to uncover today, not many know enough about Christianity to enjoy it. Hear that again. Not enough people and not many people know enough about Christianity 
to enjoy Christianity. And I really want to build that out today. And like I said, I'm of the proponent that I believe every person should come to know Jesus. Like I, I, I literally look and I look back and I look at people and I'm like, man, it, I know who you could be in Christ. Right? I know the, the good gifts Christ has to give you. He wants to give you good things. He wants to bless your life. This, uh, this situation you're struggling with, maybe it's marriage or maybe it's something internally, something at work. I'm like, man, the gospel wants to meet you where you are and begin to do a powerful work in and through you. Okay? And that's what I really want to communicate today is why aren't we enjoying it? Why aren't we enjoying following the Lord? And really, if you've been here for any uh, length of time, like I, I, I honestly believe God's given me this vision to create gospel-centered community where we really hang out, we really do life centered around Jesus. And it's fun with fun people. And it looks fun to outsiders. And people begin to want to become part of this community of believers. I believe it to be possible here. I do. With everything I am, with everything I breathe, I believe that's where we're going and what God's doing. So I, I want to talk about that and share the why. why. How can we do that? How can we enjoy our life and enjoy our life in Christ? How do we do it on a day-to-day -day basis? And, and one of the things, and why I believe this is such an important topic, is that there's a chapter in Matthew that says this, and there's a scripture, I believe it's Matthew 7, that says, we will recognize believers by the fruit they bear. Okay? How do you recognize? How do you pick out Christians and, and folks that aren't Christians? It says that we'll pick out Christians by the fruit they bear. Now, these are the first three fruits of the Spirit. Y'all check this out. You might want to take these with you. The first three fruits are love, joy, and peace, right? Three awesome things. And it says that this is going to be the evidence of walking out a relationship with Jesus. These three things are going to be prevalent. Now, I want to ask this question. If the Bible's true, if the Bible's true, this is what's readily available for us every day, Right? This is what we wake up. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. This is what we wake up and what's readily available. So we ask ourselves the question, why? Why not? Why is that not my life? Well, what does that look like? You know what? I'm glad you asked. So we're about to dive all up into it, okay? Um, so I really want to ask this question. Why do people not live like this is true? Why in this Christian context does Christianity look miserable from the outside looking in? Right? What, what keeps people from coming to know Jesus, the Savior, the best, the best news this world's ever heard? Right? What keeps that from happening? Number one is this, okay? We have to understand the truth of the gospel. This is number one. How do we live it out? We have to get to the bare bones, to the very bottom and the truth of the gospel. Okay? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We'll be in verses 21 through 26. And I want to share a little bit of my testimony um, as you're turning here, I grew up in church my whole life. Um, you know, the good kid in the Christian context, right? Good guy. Did a lot more good things than bad. Scared to death of my dad. That sucker would whip me. Y'all hear me? Um, and so that was my Holy Spirit growing up is uh, my father and uh, his scary voice and, and everything he would do if I, if I screwed it up. You know what I mean? Um, and so when, when I got to this text for the first time, when it was really broken down for me, everything changed. Then I came face to face with the true gospel, right? And what gospel means, if you're new here, it means good news, the good news of Jesus. And I came face to face with that. And, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to say it. I believe the number one reason we don't have joy, okay, and the number one reason lots of people don't live with joy in our context is because I think a lot of people think they know Christ and they don't, okay? I believe that. 
And, and, and I'm becoming more and more aware that, that that's a reality, that a lot of people wake up and they're saved, think they're saved, and the reality of it, there is, there's never been a relationship with Jesus, you know? And it's, it's really been a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free uh, slip at some point in, in their life, and like, man, like, okay, now I'm just good to go, like fire insurance. And man, like, that scares the, the, the mess out of me, because I know that not only is that scary because it's not what Christ has for you, but it's miserable. And I'm going to talk about kind of what that looks like. And so today, we're going to dive all into the gospel and talk about what it truly is Jesus did for us, okay? So here we go. We're going to look at verse 21 and read through verse 26. And, and make sure you guys listen. If you're a writer in your Bible, there's a couple words I'd like for you to highlight. I think it's going to be good and good for you. It says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Okay, now understand real quick, it says the righteousness of God, that means perfection, perfectly right. It says it's been made known apart from the law. That means apart from works, apart from anything you and I could possibly do. Okay, that this, there's something available. And now verse 22 is really going to share this with you. Okay, it says the righteousness is given. Highlight, underline, circle, star, given. Okay, given. The righteousness of God is given away. Understand that we have not brought anyone into this picture yet. We are looking at God and the righteousness of God. And the, the, the verb that's given um, is given. It's given away. It says it's given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, we are, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of that came by Christ Jesus. And what justified means is this, is that, uh, think about a court case, and that perfectly justified means that the gavel slams and we walk free, justified, never having to go back to the courtroom again, right? And this is what God says is available. This is what he's doing. This is the gospel, is that he is ready to make us just. It says we're justified freely by his grace. You might want to underline grace. And what that means is unmerited favor. That means that there was nothing this person on the stand did to earn the free gift. It was given freely. That's what grace means. And it says, we, we were justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. That means payment for, all right? Uh, atoned for. That he paid the price for our sin through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Again, nothing to do with us. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And before I really talk about this, I want to tell you guys a story. You got any baseball fans in here? Anybody that's watching? All right, one. Sorry, man. This is like for you, okay? Um, but I want you to check this out. In January 5th of 1920, listen to this story. The New York Yankees uh, Major League Baseball Club announced its purchase of the heavy-hitting outfitter George Herman Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox for the sum of $125,000, okay? And as the story goes, it says, In all, Ruth had played six seasons with the Red Sox, leading them to three World Series victories. On the mound, Ruth pitched a total of 29 and two-thirds scoreless innings, uh, World Series innings, setting a new league record 
that would stand for 43 years. He was fresh off a sensational 1919 season, having broken the major league home run record with 29. And he led the American League with 114 runs batted in and 103 runs scored. It says, in addition to playing more than 100 games in left field, he also went 9-5 and five as a pitcher. With his pr- pr- <coughs> prodigious hitting, uh, pitching, and fielding skills, Ruth had surpassed the great Ty Cobb as baseball's greatest attraction. So you ask, but well, why do you share that story? First of all, how stupid are the Red Sox, right? The greatest baseball player of all time, okay? The, the guy who went on, and once he went to the Yankees, man, he, he set home run records. Pop, possibly, probably the greatest baseball player of all time, okay? I mean, you, you, you can't put a mark on how valuable that is. Was traded for $125,000, a measly trade. The worst trade I've ever heard of. You know, like, how, how stupid can you be if you're the Red Sox? Like, that's just dumb, okay? And, and they made a trade, uh, the great Babe Ruth for next to nothing, all right? Now, I want you to think about something. I want you to uh, tell you how this story relates. The minute Christ gave you freedom, okay, if he's given you freedom, I want you to think about every sin you've ever committed in your life, maybe the things you're doing right now, everything you've, you've done, Everything that you've done that you know has broken the heart of God, all right? And understand the very first sin you came into this world with separated you from God. That it was, it, that sin, the very first thing, separated you from God. You needed to be penalized because we serve a perfect, holy God. And we've been accumulating. And I don't know if your life's like mine, but I've got, man, I've got some mess. Y'all hear me? I've got some real mess that I accumulated. And the sad part is that I, I looked at my sin and justified my sin by the good things I did. And that I didn't realize that my debt was accumulating with God. And what happens and what this text is talking about, it says God's righteousness is given. There's a trade going on right here. Okay, There's a trade that everything you've ever done, when Christ crucified was standing on the cross, he knew everything you ever did, the things you're doing right now, he knows. And he said, I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to trade my righteousness, my perfection. I'm going to give it to you. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to do enough to get it. You're not going to work your way up to climb it, to earn it. I'm going to give it to you, okay? I'm going to make a trade. Your sin, your shame, the things you've done, the things you are doing currently, if, if you would come, I'm about to give it away, if, if you would just place your faith in me, right? Think about the craziness of that trade. That is insane. That is absolutely insane that Christ would give me his righteousness. I, I wake up and I still do not understand how I am justified perfectly before God today. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's a crazy trade. And see, here's the thing. I don't know where you've come in today or, or, or where you feel like your identity is or kind of what that story looks like for you. But see, what's happening in this text is this, is that when, when we come to that place, if we truly believe that, if we truly know that that to be true, Y'all, it, it merits brokenness because that's the free offer Christ has given us is to say, man, I will take your stuff. Absolutely, and I know it. They may not, but I know it in my heart, and I want it. I'll take it. All you have to do is surrender your life to me. Come and lay broken before me, and man, I will pick you up. I will give you my righteousness. That's what the free offer of Jesus Christ is. And the thing is, and I would say it, is if that does not merit obedience to follow Christ and change, man. Like, that's, you're missing it. You're just missing it. And maybe today, and I just want to share some context 
context today. Maybe you're giving this thing for a, a try for the first time. Maybe this has been the first place you could come and really feel like you belonged. Or, or maybe you used to be in church and fell out of church, and you're like, well, I felt a little better when I went to church. And man, the reality of it is you don't need more church. We need Jesus, right? We need this free offer. Maybe today you've come in and you've lived like hell, and you're not sure why you're here. You don't know the why of like, man, I know there's something going on here, but I don't know what it is. Um, maybe you're here at church because church is a good thing to do. It makes me feel a little bit better about what I've done. And so what I want to ask you is this. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've known this to be true? Has there ever been a time where that became true in your heart? That, man, I am broken about my sin, that Christ would actually do that, that he would pick up someone like me off the ground, that, that he would trade his righteousness to me and, and give me, uh, he, he would give me his righteousness and take my shame. And the reality of it is the Bible says that when that happens, we become a new creation. And all of a sudden, this life of sin and shame turns to a life of obedience. That we, we begin to follow Christ. And there's this change that, that we finally become honest about our condition. And we say, God, change our condition. Do something in me that I could never do on my own. And so I want to ask you, is this, is, has that ever happened? And see, I believe it. And hear this. Once we've understood that truth, and I'm going to move on from this, and I'm going to teach uh, what this looks like. But once you've understand that truth, I want to give you something of confidence right here. Whenever that moment happens, it's finished. It is done. You don't have to cross it again. That the minute you get the gavel slams shut, you are justified freely. That's the best news I've ever heard, that you don't have to work anymore for it. That's what it is. That's the saving work of Jesus Christ. Slams the gavel shut, justified, my son and daughter, never to look at your sin again. And so as I, as I sit here and I share this, Ask, has there ever been a time in your life that you've surrendered your life to Christ? Because, y'all, that's the beauty of the gospel. And it's beautifully offensive, I know. But, man, it's the best news the world's ever heard. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Galatians 2.20. Now, uh, we've gotten the good part out of the way. <laughs> um, I want to talk about now, how do we live out of this? How do we live out of that? And you say, Pastor, if that's true... Um, if that's true, how do we live like that every day? Because every day I don't feel saved. Every day I don't feel like that's who I am or what I've done or, or kind of what the deal is. Pastor, how do I live out of that? I want you to turn me to Galatians 2.20, which is where we're going to be. And it says, for, though the law, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now verse 20, this is where I want you to be. It says, I have been crucified with Christ that is no longer I who live. It is no longer, <clears throat> it is I and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, okay? And so what happens when we obtain his righteousness, he gives us the Holy Spirit that lets us know and confirm that something has gone on. We are different, okay? And now with that, with that Holy Spirit, with understanding, it says, I live by faith in the Son of God, okay? So the rest of my life, it was about me, sin, shame. Now I trust my righteousness, my faith is in Jesus Christ. It says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We understand and we live out of that love for us, not trying to obtain it, okay? And it says, the rest of my life, I live by faith, not in anything I could do, but everything he has done. Amen? And that constantly I look back at that moment at the cross when he took my sin and shame and I say, that's me. That's my hope. That's my faith. I place it in what he has done, not what I'm going to do today. 
Amen? Not in what, how well I've disciplined myself to eat a good diet or to, to, to do these things. I'm going to read 10 uh, uh, scriptures today or 10 um, devotionals or, man, I got my Joyce Meyer on this morning. God's got to love me today. You were loved perfectly at that cross. You were made righteous perfectly at that cross. And to take one foot up and to move forward uh, would be wrong. And, the, and, it's work, and it's not what Christ wants for you. He wants you to know what he's done at the cross. And I want to read with you right here in Galatians 3 is where we're going to be. And just to give you a little context, Paul planted this church in Galatia. All right? And so after he shared the gospel, like people got saved. They had never been in church before like us. There was no Southern Baptist. Man, they didn't have fried chicken back then. You feel me? Praise God we're not in Galatia anymore, right? We like that fried chicken now. Um, but, but that being said, there was no cultural, like, knowing how to act like a Christian. There was like, dude, heathen. Like, do what you want. Like, worship idols and live it up, man. So they had no context. Paul comes and preaches the gospel. The Lord confirms it in their heart, and they just say, man, I'm in. Paul leaves. He comes back to Galatia. And look at what he says, and I love this. He gets a little salty, man. Y'all like it when people get salty a little bit? You know, I'm a little saltier than I usually am today, right? Some of y'all, 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 you know, I like it. Anyway, Galatians 3.1, it says, You foolish Galatians. Other translations, he pretty much says, You idiots, okay? And I, I love that, man. Don't you love the Bible when it's messy? I love it. It says, You idiot Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He says, man, like, you believe the gospel and you got saved, okay? Like, you know it. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Go ahead and underline, star, highlight, believing, trusting, believing. He says, did you, did you, did you work for it? Did you do anything for it? He says, verse 3, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by the believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What he's saying is, is this. The Holy Spirit that came to, to, to resurrect your heart, the power of Christ when you received it and he saved your life. The minute you mess up, y'all is the minute we get up from that floor. The minute we say, man, now that I've got Christ, I've got to blank. That's the minute we fall. That's the minute we mess up. The minute we get up and say, now I've got the work to earn. Okay, And what he's saying is, uh, you don't have to go get circumcised now, right? He's saying that circumcision's not going to do anything. This special diet these Jews are trying to make you follow, you, you don't have to have it. What you need is the gospel. You need Jesus Christ. You need to trust what he's done for you and in you. And, and you say, well, man, how does this work for us? Like, how does this work out? I'll walk you through this, okay? How many of you have, like, man, I had a good week, and then, man, I had a bad week. Hadn't read my Bible a ton. Um, didn't really share Jesus with anyone. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I've done well. Y'all, I want to tell you something. This is how you fight that. This is how you stay out of that season. This is how you live out the gospel, okay? You don't fight to work harder for God. Turn around and look at the moment you met Christ. Go right back to the cross, Go right back to where he rescued you, and you go deeper into the cross. I'd look at it like this, and, and I don't know if you're like me. How many of you are doers? Like, you got to be working at something. you got to be moving the ball forward. got to be moving. I, I'm the same way, right? And this is my Christian walk, all right? This is what it looks like. Um, I know God's called me to get on the other side of this jungle, all right? And I, I believe that, and I think about my Christian walk this way. If there's a jungle I've got to walk through, okay? And this is my nature, 
is I'm going to look around in my own strength, and I'm going to pick up a machete, and I'm about to hack away at that jungle. Y'all hear me? I'm about to get after it. I'm like, God, I know you're calling that we're going to reach lots of people. We're going to make disciples. And God, we're going to bring um, the gospel forward to people that haven't heard it. And it's like, man, give me my machete. I'm about to cut my way through this jungle, right? And many of you feel the same way in your relationship with the Lord is that you think, man, I, I'm going to work so hard this week and I'm going to get it done. And what you find is this, the same way I'm at, okay? If it's 100 yards to get on the other side of that jungle, I make it like three feet. And guess what happens? My machete breaks, all right? And then I cut my daggum leg, you know, like whacking at that thing. And so I'm kind of wounded, I'm kind of hurt, and I get about five feet through this jungle, and then I'm exhausted. I'm done. I, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm like, God, I'm exhausted. This is not what it was intended to be. God, I, this is not it. And see, this is what God's saying is, if you would really understand the gospel, if you would let it have your heart, what you would know to do is when you get into that place, understand that all you've got to do is sit on the bulldozer. You hear me? That the gospel is a bulldozer to show you what he wants you to do next, to remind you that it's not your work through that jungle that's justifying you before God. It's to sit down on that bulldozer and to say, God, I'm here, I'm yours. Lord, you didn't do, I didn't do anything to get you started in me. I dang sure can't do anything to keep it going. Lord, I need you. I need the gospel. We go right back to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I know I can't do it on my own. See, we weren't good enough to earn the righteousness of God. We dang sure ain't good enough to walk the Christian life out in our own strength. You hear me? And if you found yourself in a bad place, or maybe you've never found a place where the gospel is good to you, man, I want to tell you, there is abundant strength, power, and love through the saving work of Christ, through the gospel. And that's what we're about. And, and the thing, I was listening to J.D. Greer this morning. Y'all know I'm weird, right? Y'all figure that out yet? I'm a little bit crazy. So I woke up at like 3.30. Well, it was before that. Anyway, about 3.30, I'm up and listening to J.D. Greer preach. Man, there's something wrong with me. I know that. Um, I embrace that. Don't, don't laugh. <laughs> um, but this is what he said. He said, when you, when you, when you find yourself absent of joy... Okay, beat up about your sin. He said, go back to the cross, not once, but do it again and again and again and again. It was the power, it was his power that resurrected us. We trust that same power to renew us, to make us brand new again, to bring back the joy of that salvation, to bring back the joy and the love of that. Man, I'm okay just knowing that he loves me. See, we have the power of Christ living in us, and we must look to it to be our hope, not ourselves. Amen. The Bible also says in John 15, it says, we have to abide in Christ. What abide means is to rest. I want you to write that down. To rest in Christ. Oh, I can't do that, man. On my own. Like, I know there's got to be more to it. I've got to get up. There's got to be something to earn this love of God. There's got to be something to earn it. But the reality of it is, it says to abide in Christ. And it says, see, if you want to go, grow in Christ, you don't have to go around the gospel. You hear me? You don't have to think, all right, well, I started out on fire, now I'm burnt out. Let me, let me find the right reading plan to get me going again. You know what I mean? Or let me find enough Bible to read, or, or, or this is the reason why I'm burnt out. No, what we do is we go right back and we get on our knees and say, God, I surrender again. Again, I trust the gospel. Lord, I trust the gospel again to be my hope. Lord, I trust you again to be it. And like Greer said this morning, the deeper you go into the gospel, the, wide, the, higher, the wider, the higher, and the deeper you will grow in obedience, okay? That you'll begin to follow God, that you'll begin to grow in obedience, that the things you thought you could never do for God, 
it begins to be the overflow of your heart, not because you're trying, but because you understand what he's done for you. That you understand that it's the gospel is the only reason I have hope, that I can grow in Christ. And that we know that the, what we do is an overflow of our heart. My mentor, Ronnie Smith, he, he said something to me this week I, I thought was great, and I want to pray this over you. He said, brother, he said, I know Christ is doing work where you're at. Stay clean and stay close. And I love that. And that I don't use my own strength to stay close to God, but rather, the closer I walk with God, the more he's going to cleanse sin in me, and the more he's going to be my help. He's going to be my strength. And see, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we trust him more, and we trust ourselves less. Hear that again. The more we grow and understand who Christ is, we trust him more and ourselves less. I want to share something. This is A.W. Tozer, one of the greatest theologians we know in our time. He said this, he said, the reason why many are still troubled, why marriages are failing, why people are, Christianity is just not good, like it's not joyful, why people are still seeking, they're still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. They're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. And what I'm saying is this, is you, you don't have to order God what you are or aren't going to do or what's going to be the next plan to get you where you want to go. The reality of it is, is we just say, God, I'm, I'm in. I surrender. It's you. Show me what to do, Lord. Lord, I need you. I can't fix this. God, please fix me from the inside out. And how many of you know Christians that you look at them and say, I could never be him. I could never be her. That person right there works so much harder at Christianity than I do. They're great, man. They, like, they get up and they yawn and like Philippians 3.14 comes out. You know what I mean? Y'all met anybody like that? They brush their teeth and they might, you know, they, they might brush a little too far back and it's like Galatians 2.20, you know? Like, you know people like that? I want to tell you, uh, a guy by the name of Hudson Taylor, he said this. He, Taylor spent 51 years in China. It says the society he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country who began 125 schools, and uh, this is what I love, and directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversations. Uh, conversions, I'm sorry, 18,000 Christian conversions. It says, as well as the establishment of 300 stations of work with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. And what we do is we look at somebody like Hudson Taylor and we think, well, he's a good Christian, man. He's much farther along than I am. Let me tell you where me, you, and Hudson Taylor are at right at the foot of the cross. And this is his quote. He said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him, to surrender, to say, God, just do something with me. I'm nothing. I'm zero. You know, I'm talking about being excited about these missionaries uh, coming from our church. Like, you know, I'm excited about that. I got a text message, and, and uh, my wife doesn't even know this, so I hope she doesn't get mad that I didn't share it with her first. But anyway, my son's right now in Minneapolis, and he texted me last night. Y'all, it was just so awesome. He said, Dad, he said, uh, he's adopted, by the way. He's like 19. Anyway, 20. Um, don't think I had a kid at 8. Uh, he texts me and he said, Dad, he said, I think God's speaking to my heart. He says, how do you know if you're hearing from God or not, Dad? And, uh, and I said, well, you know, I said, it always lines up with Scripture and God's going to burden your heart. You're going to know your next step, man. God's going to make it burn until you either respond to it or you run from it. And I said, every time, you know, God, Devin, Devin God's spoken to me, it's been pretty obvious it's a step of obedience. And, and he said, Dad, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere where, where gospel, the gospel's not. And uh, I want you to be praying for me of what that's going to look like. And, and I was just like, like, that's God, you know? Amen? And so uh, 
That was a super awkward clap. <laughs> Do we clap? Do we not? Does he want him to stay? Uh, does he want him to go? Um, um, anyway, but that being said, is, is you know, that, that boy came out of a trailer, man, where, like, it was, it was, it was really a hell on earth. And, um, you know, it's nothing any man did. That's the saving work of the gospel. That's what it does. That's what all of us have available for us, that God can write a better story for your life. But you have to come to the place where you let him. Just like Hudson Taylor said, or I'm sorry, A.W. Tozer said, is I've got to come to the saving work of Christ. I've got to run to the end of myself. And if you've ever gotten the joy of that salvation, you've got to run right back to it. You hear me? Run right back to the first fruits of God. Man, I can't believe you saved me. I can't believe you saved someone like me. And if you've never gotten to that place, if sin's never hurt that bad, that needs to change today. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to celebrate with you when you do. And so the final thing is we must live by faith in the promises of God. When you find yourself stuck, when you find yourself walking this life out and the story's not so good, I want to share a text with you. It's out of 2 Corinthians 1, 20 and 21. This is what it says. And one of the reasons I believe we don't walk with joy in being a Christian and it's not fun and, and we don't enjoy, enjoy it is that we don't understand the promises of God. It's like going to old times, guys, and all, the, all, that, all that great option is there for us to, to partake and God has all these great things for us and we result to the salad bar in like two olives. You hear me? And that, that we, we just get the first step of salvation and we don't live by the promises of God. Understand, everything God speaks over a Christian throughout the Bible is yours in Christ. You, you, don't take my word for it. Listen to this text. This is 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22. It says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And I want to tell you, when you trust Christ as Lord and Savior, this is what those promises are. And I'm just going to read these off real quick and tell you this is what's available for you in Christ. We become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. I can trust God to continue his work in me. That's Philippians 1.6. I am God's handiwork. I am good enough because of the work of Christ on the cross. I have peace with God. I don't have to worry anymore. I am shown love through the work on the cross. I am forgiven. God wants to use me. God favors me. He's on my side. I have the gift of salvation. That's Ephesians 2.8. I have everything I need. I am equipped. I am gifted. I am strong. I can do anything. That's Philippians 4.13. I have a spirit of power, love, and self-control. I have no fear. I have a future. I do not have to worry. I do not have to be afraid. I am treasured. I am chosen. I am called out of darkness. I am accepted. I am wonderfully made. I am a child of God. I am loved. You need to hear that. And that's 1 John 4.10 and Romans 5.8. It says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's Romans 8.38-39. through God is bigger than my condemnation. The thing that you're struggling with that says you never could be, God says, I'm bigger than that. If you give it to me, if you give it to me, I'm bigger. I'm bigger than your condemnation. I have overcome the world. I don't have to fear when this life's over because I trust the Savior who's overcome it. I am free, Galatians 5.1. I am gifted, equipped, and competent, 2 Corinthians 3. I am free from sin and condemnation, 
The truth shall set you free, ladies and gentlemen. And then lastly, this is my favorite. I have eternal purpose. I'm not here for any other reason than to glorify my resurrected Savior. Amen. That's the promises we have today. And what I can't understand is when we know God's calling us, man, and the hardest thing for me as a pastor is to know that it's time that God's calling you to himself and to not respond, to not just say, yes, I'm in. I, I want to get baptized. I want the whole works, man. What that, that Jesus you just said, that's who I want. That's what I want to do. And so I ask this question one more time as we get ready to pray. Has there ever been a time you've surrendered your life to Christ? That he's traded um, his righteousness for your sin and shame, the whole bucket, everything you've ever done. He says, man, I'll have it. And if you'll let me change your heart, I'm, you're going to be done with it. And you're going to start following me. Okay? So I want to extend that offer to you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the message of the gospel, Lord. Thank you that our identity doesn't have to be in our sin and our shame and death. God, that our identity can be in the work of the gospel, Lord. And I thank you for it, God, that we'll never get any better than we were at the foot of the cross. And so I'm praying for everyone in here right now. And I'm just going to ask, if you know that salvation's your step, you know that today is the day, that that's you, I just want you to repeat a prayer uh, with me to yourself. And um, it's going to be simple. And the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's faithful to save us. And so, um, if you will, just follow me in this prayer. Jesus... I admit I'm a sinner. God, I, I need your righteousness. God, I want you to be Lord of my life. Father, come and change my heart. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and Lord, I repent of that sin. And God, from this day forward, I, I trust you as Lord. Even on the days I feel saved and the days I don't, Lord, I don't trust how I feel, Lord. I trust your righteousness given to me through the power of the gospel that was preached today. God, I pray for those things. I trust you as Lord. Amen. Amen. And so, if you prayed that prayer today, all right, I'm just going to ask you, um, if you would, just to raise your hand. And we just want to celebrate with you today. And I'm going to ask, just to take that first step of boldness, if that was you. Um, we just want to pray with you and kind of confirm what God's already done, uh, if it's your first step. Is that anybody here today? Is that anybody? Amen. Well, I want to tell you guys something else. Is uh, Following the service, man, if, if there's some business to be done with God and you want to come and, and, and get that thing right and bring some things before God, man, this will be open as we sing. This is one of my favorite songs we sing. And, and today you heard the gospel, the true gospel. And, um, and what I love about it is God says that it, it has the power to save and that uh, God wants to do that. And so um, if you would, uh, if God's put something in your heart, come and respond as we get ready to sing this final song. Um, I love you guys so much, love you more than you know, and uh, very thankful that God called me.